Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of The Kushners. Woo! So excited to have you guys here today, tonight, or today. I don't know, depending on what time you guys are listening. I know um, my guest today is in a whole other time zone, and I'm super excited to have my sister from another mister, Miss Ivory Rosenthal Davis, with us today. Ivory is a registered nurse in Louisiana, and I actually met Ivory through a very interesting sequence of events. And since then, we have decided to take over the world of cannabis. <laughs> anyway, today, like I said before, I'm so excited to have Ivory with us. She is the Louisiana Canna Nurse Navigator and also with Rosenthal Consulting Solutions. She has been uh, such a gem this past election season with helping me really understand the policy and the politics of cannabis. And so I'm super excited to have her here today. Ivory, how are you? I am well. Hello, how are you? I'm doing I'm awesome. I'm from L.A. and you're in L.A. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's, you know, I never even saw that connection. Look at you making all the connections. Yep. I'm so excited to have you mm-hmm. here, girl. What's up? Nothing much. Just another day in the cannabis world. And I'm excited about the new year and in this space. How about you? I am super excited about the new year in this space. And before we get started on all the gem dropping goodness that you always do, I am going to have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you became to love (laughs) this cannabis industry as much as you do. Absolutely. So I am a registered nurse in Louisiana um, with the specialty of workers' comp nurse case management. So workers' comp is really what led me to cannabis because my patients started asking about cannabis as another treatment option. So about two years ago in Louisiana, we were getting a medical cannabis program and things were getting out, out, you know, off the floor in Louisiana. And the the clientele that I deal with are patients that are either surgery, they are not surgical candidates, or they are patients who have had surgery and it wasn't successful. And usually in either situation, those patients go to pain management. So a lot of these patients, if they have any desire um, to return back to the workforce, pain management is not a good option for them because they're on medications that could keep them drowsy most of the days, mood swings, and just all kinds of things. And so um, one day I had a patient that had had multiple back surgeries ask me about medical cannabis. And then it forced me to really be an advocate because I had to learn about it. And that's when, you know, I started. It was hard. It was a hard space to navigate because, you know, we we talk in circles here and in corners in in the state. It's not really a cohesive advocacy place um, where you can go in Louisiana other than they do have monthly stakeholders meetings. So I used to try to make an effort to go to these stakeholders meetings to get more information. And I'll never forget one time I was coming from from a meeting and um, on my way home, I stopped by my mom's house and I accidentally dropped the agenda from the meeting on the on the ground. And so I get home. I'm thinking I'm going to take off my notes and find it. I couldn't find the paper anywhere. And I didn't think much about it. So the next time I went to my mom's my mom's house and she had the little paper with her, all of my little notes on top of the paper it says louisiana state of louisiana department of agriculture medical cannabis program or whatever but by that time my brother is coming in the house so i was like okay 
is an intervention being staged for me and I don't know it. So anyway, we had to have in hindsight. I'm kind of glad that it happened because I don't talk to people who are not in this space. I generally don't talk to them about cannabis because it's just a whole nother headache. But this kind of allowed me the opportunity to kind of talk about it. And since then, I've had other conversations with my mom and one of her friends who's on um, multiple narcotics. You know, I've had conversations with her about it. So it, it, it did open the door, but it was very uneasy. So anyway, the rest of this history, I was able to help get that patient referred um, to a medical cannabis physician here. And even though, you know, it was a long story, it didn't work out for him in part because Louisiana Workers' Comp does not cover it. The fact is, it it just, it took off for me that, at that point because then after I got exposed to it, I just started leaning in and learning more. And I'm seeing how this is going to be very helpful to the patients that I deal with every day because these, these patients need another option. So I'm excited about that. Woo! First of all... I know you from Louisiana and you know, my husband's from Mississippi. So we love Louisiana. Actually, my daughter and Lee said that she's going to move to New Orleans. She's 30 (laughs) and that we're going to go visit her. So maybe we'll be close by. Um, But yeah, so one of the things I do know about Louisiana you know, and Mississippi and just the whole South area is that these cannabis conversations are really difficult to have because of the stigma and all the things that we know about cannabis. So, you know, you telling me, you know, what your your mom and your brother were saying, it's so, so relatable, you know, I guess so relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even coming up, growing up in a very, you know, Catholic Hispanic home, I felt like, you know, the same. It wasn't, I don't even know. I don't know a day when I would feel comfortable talking to my mom about cannabis. May she rest (laughs) in peace. But um, since that conversation with your mother, since, you know, advocating for this patient, since doing all these things and kind of, you know, landing right smack in the middle of the cannabis industry and cannabis nursing, what have you been doing in the cannabis industry? So as far as my business is concerned right now, I'm in the process of kind of getting that off the ground. And my approach, I figured out that my approach or where I would want to work in this space is really what I consider from the inside out. So through my experience as a workers comp, um, nurse case managers. I deal with a lot of attorneys, a lot of specialty providers, um, a lot of HR people, um, risk managers, and people of that nature. And they are clueless. <laughs> they are clueless. And not because they probably wouldn't be interested in it. It's just no one is. Um, I really want to be able to hit the corporate side. You know, speaking to people in corporate America and saying, you know, if you hire somebody or if you do a random drug test, just because they have THC in their system does not mean that they're using illicit drugs. They may actually be a medical cannabis patient. You may want to get a policy in place, you know, at your place of employment so that you don't have any unnecessary risk or litigation or things of that nature. So that's my angle. I was um I've been a little bit behind with moving forward with what I, what I want to do because of course we all blame everything on COVID, but because of COVID, 
But that's my really focus that I'm I'm going to be looking at this year, just really getting in with stakeholders and explaining it to them and explaining, you know, making them see it from a liability standpoint, but also, you know, protecting their workers, protecting themselves also in a sense um, with attorneys. Attorneys deal with a lot of cases, depending on what type of attorney you deal with, where, you know, I do catastrophic case management as well. Well, you know, someone can be working just fine, 18 will flip over, and then their life has totally flipped. Well, nine and a half times out of 10, when you have a case like that, they're going to have an attorney. So that attorney needs to understand that there are other options out there for, for their clients other than, you know, just your typical, you know, medications that's being prescribed. So that's really my focus and aim in the, in the industry to really get in on the corporate America side of it. I love it. That is that's such a key piece. I think especially with the fact that, you know, most people just understand cannabis to be illegal across the board, even <laughs> with, you know, legalization happening in many states because it's still federally illegal. Um, you know, a lot of people are very cautious with, you know, their policies. I live in California and most people are like, oh, California, they probably let everybody smoke and everybody, and it's not, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's the, the, it's the employer's decision whether or not they want to screen for cannabis, you know, or whether they want to drug screen at all. And so, you know, it's just, it's really a slippery slope when you think about it because this industry is growing so fast, but the, you know, mm-hmm. policies, the, the, the integration is happening really slow to, you know, right. across the board. So that's pretty cool. So then my other question for you, because I just love everything that you're talking about right now is like what you look at all these, you know, we have cannabis nursing, we have growers, we have cultivate, we have all these different parts of the industry. <laughs> you know, what do you feel is the most important thing you know, the, the most important, you know, aspect right now outside of policy, you know, what do you think is the, is what's really, you know, something that we could do better at, you know, with the laws, the way they are, let's say we couldn't change anything else right now, which we know that's not true, but let's say right now we can't change anything else. You know, what's one thing, one area that you feel like in this area, I really think we could do more, or there needs to be more, you know, focus on this area. Education. I would say education, educating. And at first I used to think about, well, who would you educate or who needs the education? And of course, we can name the different arenas of the people who need education. In my case, I would probably say, okay, my patients or doctors or, you know, but I'm more focused on community-based education because if you're a doctor and I'm not, I don't want to generalize people and say, you should know. Because that, that's not always always the case too. But you have more access if you really want to know about medical cannabis. You have more access. If you're an attorney, you have more access. If you are in any of these industries, you have more access. But people, lay population, like I want to talk to my mother. I want to talk to her friend. And I want to be able to do it without, oops, you found my paper. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to have that conversation. So I think that's a missing piece. And um, I was in a conversation, I believe, last week. And um, this same particular question was asked, um, I think it was on Clubhouse was asked, and someone was saying they, their population that they want to educate is the church. They want to go to the black mm. church. So I, I would have to land on educating and educating the lay population. 
from this perspective. Now, later on, I'll probably talk, we'll probably talk a little bit more about um, cannabis nurses of color, and then I'll say something differently on education. But primarily, it's, it probably is the same because I'll say community. Educating the lay person, the everyday person, the person you see in Walmart, the everyday person, explaining to them what's available, the myths, the stigma, all of that. That's, that will be my focus. Because I'm in Louisiana, so you all can imagine. <laughs> Girl, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't come and I want to be able to just have everybody, you know, smell, touch, and taste. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I, you know me. I'm all about the immersion. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which you made a good point earlier and you, or should I say a good segue for this, which is you talked about the cannabis nurses of color. So if you guys don't know, Ivory is the co-founder and my partner over at cannabis nurses of color. And we are super proud to do this work together. Um, And I always say that Ivory and I are going to be in the nursing home in our little rocking chairs next to each other. Talk about, we did it. Yes. Um, You know, (laughs) But um, it's truly been, um, you know, something that I've, you know, just gotten so much joy in doing and working with you and getting to know you this past year. And, you know, we're going into this new year, Um, you know, and we just this was something that happened organically. We actually did not know each other. We met virtually and then we met at a conference and hosted an event that first you know, time we met um, and we had planned all this virtually without knowing each other. And this has been a great partnership for me. So Ivory, welcome, mm-hmm. sis. What's up? This is when we get a little bit more yes. casual. Then we're going to go into the real stuff again. <laughs> yeah. I like to tell people too, because um, you're a talker and you're social, you sociable and I am too. And you know, a lot of times, sometimes people don't like to just leap. Like, and I'm so glad because I would say that normally I probably I get a little bit better with it. But of course, we all have our limits and our boundaries or whatever. But just leaping out there to say, OK, I'm going to reach out to somebody. And then you saying, OK, I'm going to accept it. We didn't know anybody. You, you, you know, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know each other. And then just the power of collaboration. Like that's something that's important in this space, too, because it it, it could be very difficult, especially if you're a nurse or you have a, a license or something, a professional license or something like that. So just the power of collaboration is key because I we we probably each could say a hundred times we probably would gave up if we were doing something doing this on our own, but just to have that network. Yeah. And yeah. I'm proud of CNOC and how we're growing and how we're we we're changing things little bit by little bit, but the best is yet to come. So It's actually really funny. Well, not really funny, but it's actually interesting, I should say, because I was in this space for about a year before we met. And Mm -hmm. I haven't felt lonely in this industry since we met. You know, before that, it felt like I was doing this in a dark cell in a bunker somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I couldn't really be open, you know, at work about what I was doing 
you know, we all know husbands mean well, but it's hard for them to get into what, you know, everything that we're doing, no matter how passionate they are. And so it was just like, wow, I'm really just out here, ride or die, all by my lonesome. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, hey girl, you know, and now yeah. we're doing it together. So, you know, that has been really awesome. And yes, like you said, if there's anything that Ivory talks about more is like the power of volunteerism and the power mm-hmm. of collaboration. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I volunteered. <laughs> I volunteered as tribute. To I'm so glad too, like, because <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I was like on the like, I was like, look, we can't find a, a venue. And not only did you find a venue, I mean, and that's your lane. So that's, that's another reason why it's the beauty. And not only did you find it, but it was like, the perfect place like literally whenever I go back to New Orleans I I, I have that place in my email like this is where I want to go I don't want to stay in another hotel I want to stay at this place because it was perfect no I mean that's something that I feel is so I mean if we don't mention that more and we don't talk about it more like in this industry everyone thinks that they have to um you know we were talking about this earlier it's kind of like an echo chamber when you enter this industry you basically are following other people that are doing the same thing as you and they're following you and you're basically talking to each other and it feels like everybody's saying the same. It's like you're all shouting at each other because mm-hmm. everybody's saying the same thing, you know, endocannabinoid, ah, cannabis, ah, sativa, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, nursing, cannabis nursing. Ah. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, shh. It's, yeah. there's people out there who really want to hear about cannabis. There's people who really want to learn about cannabis. And there's also a great thing about being surrounded by fellow, you know, colleagues in this industry because mm-hmm. you have that push and support. But I also feel like it's important to really nurture some good relationships so that you can work together as opposed to just everybody just, you know, it's like a million people saying the same thing and people not connecting and working together, I think really kind of weakens the whole Mm -hmm. industry. But um, enough of that. And then (laughs) positive things, right, is that we have created this network, the Cannabis (laughs) nurses of color Um, we are super excited about you know our our small and thriving group and you know our community was started because we wanted to create a table for black nurses Mm -hmm. to be able to come learn um, and not feel like they were the last person at the table Um, you know to have that advocacy piece because we found that nurses were losing their licenses um, for being patients. And we wanted to make sure that we had, we could do something. I mean, even if it's just to be a voice or share their voice and their story, um, you know, and then education, because like we said before, it's the most important thing. And then when you add that we're black, brown, and we're in these communities that really have, you know, been stricken by (laughs) the worst consequences of the war on drugs, it's hard to get our grandmas and grandpas and you mm-hmm. know aunties to consider cannabis as medicine because they've already been affected by the stigma. So Ivory, mm-hmm. tell me about CNOC. <clears throat> you pretty much wrapped it up, but the other thing is, I know when you were talking about this table, 
Yes, a seat at the table, but also just creating the table because that's another piece, right? And I think you and I have spoken about this before too. And I can't remember what it was, but it was something to do. It was a topic to do with something regarding communities of color. But guess guess who wasn't on the panel? Nobody from a community of color. So if you're trying to reach me and you're trying to talk to me, <laughs> but I'm not represented. I am probably not going to be your targeted audience. So that's another thing, too, that, that um, CNLC, um, you know, we're going to have different things rolling out that's going to that's going to help with professional development for other. You know, it's not just me and you. We can't go everywhere and talk and do and and we don't want to. And we don't know every aspect of everything. You know, we, we're in our lanes. I have a focus. You have a focus area. And so we want to bring other nurses into the fold because it's some power out there. It's some nurses out there, black and brown nurses that you may not see at major conferences or they may not be on major state, you know, on the stage, wherever you go. But we're trying to bring them to the forefront because they are a voice. They are a voice and people want to hear from them. And so that's that's one of the things. So not only just to um, bring them to the table, but we're creating a table, too a network. We're building a network um, because when this thing takes off, we we want to make sure that we are on, we're ready, we're educated, we we are equipped, and we're ready to go because our community is going to need us. And we know yeah. that already. So one of the things I love is that you mentioned, you know, kind of this table that we're creating, you know, and bringing all these nurses to the table because we don't have that specialty or area. I think that's something important to talk about, too, because everyone that comes into this arena thinks of it as cannabis nursing. If I was if I, you know, cannabis nursing, it's this this ball and the ball is filled with all the information that you're supposed to know or, you know, this circle of information. Right. But it's not. It's cannabis nursing is that's that's just an umbrella. And under that umbrella, just like in you know, just like in other uh, areas of healthcare, there's systems in there. So, you know, one of the things I was listening to a presentation today and it was about women's health and it was um, Dr. Michelle Sexton and she is a naturopath and she was talking about, you know, women and, and the cannabinoid system. And one of the things that she mentioned was like, she started talking about like breaking down women's health based on fertility and their, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, from this time to puberty and then from puberty, you know, to this time. And then, you know, so she broke it down to all those things and then wrapping that around like conditions that people get during those stages and, and all that. So mm -hmm. I'm mentioning all this because that presentation was very in-depth and that mm -hmm. was one system, one, you know what I mean? Like one, right. one area, you know, women's health, let's say mm -hmm. there are so many other areas of health that we need nurses to be proficient in, to be the experts in. And I can't wait to see yes. people that look like me fill those spaces. Like the crazy thing is that right now we're just still surface. Like people think they see all these posts. This is specifically for cannabis nurses. Okay. Y'all see all these yeah. posts out there and you think it's saturated. There's no place for you. I'm going to tell you where the place for you is. Focus on one thing. <laughs> yes. Find something to focus on and just carve your little space and your little spot there because it is there for you. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, one of the things I've been working on is work, is pain management and really focusing more on pain mm-hmm. because it's something that I'm very familiar with and um, I've helped a lot of patients with. And when I started to focus more on pain, it really created more conversation on my newsfeed with other people, with my friends, um, you know, and it's something that's made me realize like when you focus on something, people know like what to talk to you about, you know, and that's just like anything else. But in this industry right now, everyone is at the seat. You know what I'm saying? Like once you get in that seat, you're in it, (laughs) you know, you're in it because it's so new. It's still very new, you know? And so I want to just encourage people to kind of find their lane. We talk about our lanes Mm -hmm. all the time. Ivory's lane is literally like the policy and politics of cannabis. And, you know, it is so helpful for somebody like me. I appreciate you so much, Ivory, because I don't want to read the laws. (laughs) I don't want to sound like I'm ignorant on law. I find my information in the ways that are make sense for me, whether it's listening or, you know, what have you. And so that's where Ivory comes in because Ivory, she loves to take this information, break it down, make it tangible and tell you why you need to vote on certain things a certain way, why you need to read this policy mm-hmm. a little bit different, who to follow, you know, what lawmakers are, you know, thinking, who's pro-cannabis, who's not. I right. mean, and so I'm going to say she's like my, you know how people go to their astrologer to see what's <laughs> happening. She's like my passing politics. Like, I'm like, oh, let's see what's happening in the stars of cannabis. today. <laughs> and Ivory has her post on that. So talk to us about policy and politics, why it matters to you. And then we're going to talk about like what we should be really looking for. But how did you get into this? What's up? How did you get, how'd you go down this lane, nurse? <laughs> you know, it re- okay, so one 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 way or one train of thought is when you think about when I think about the war on drugs, and and one day it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, you know what? When you when you know the history and you know how we get got into this space, it was from politics, and so when you hear different people and the new, you know, everybody's talking in circles, but when you hear different people talking, and are we going to legalize? Are we going to decrim? Are we going to do this? What determines if we do all of that? It's the politics. So I was like, you know what? I got to start figuring out and following the moving parts because I haven't always um, followed this thing. And what's what's funny is I I try to stay abreast and read and do all this other kind of stuff. But again, I'm a blind COVID. So one day I was taking a Saturday early last year or sometime or another. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read and figure out what's going on because I had put everything aside and when I really got caught up and I, I just really got caught up in it, to be honest with you. And then when I got to thinking about it, you know, as nurses, because I know, you know, some of your audience is, is nurses or healthcare profession. When you really think about it, <clears throat> when you give insulin and it's a two nurse verifier and you got to do this step and you got to make sure it's refrigerated at a certain time, all of that stuff is policy that was put into place probably before we were even born or for sure some of these policies while we were in nursing school, but it but it governs the way we practice. So I say that to say a lot of times we you don't have the luxury or the advantage of being able to impact policy. Like before the two nurse verified thing came about with insulin, um, we wasn't that, we we didn't have the opportunity to be at the table and to give our impact and 
you know, all this other kind of stuff. Well, what makes cannabis so interesting, especially in the medical cannabis arena, we have an opportunity to shape it. When, when we get to that point, we can have a voice in what the policy will be, especially in the hospital or in the healthcare arena, however. And it's like anything else. In order to have that voice, you gotta know, you gotta know a little bit a little bit of the background. Another thing is just the movers and the shakers. You know, once you learn who the movers and the shakers are, like now when I read articles, I read them totally different. Because I purposely read the read the title and then it was like, mm, let me read further and see. And I find a lot of times the title is wrong, whether it's intentional or not, when you really read and get into it. So it just really helps. And so what I've been doing with this new administration that's coming in, um, the Biden-Harris administration, is following who are the people. I've never done this before, but because this is so important to me, legalization is so important, ending the war on drugs is so important, I'm taking the time. Every time there's a nomination, I go and figure out not just cannabis, other things in life I'm, I'm um, that's important to me as well, but from a cannabis perspective, what does this appointment do to what impact would this appointment have that event have in advancing the conversation on cannabis? And when you really just connect the dots, it's, it, it really tells a story a lot of times. When you look at a lot of these nominees, how things move forward. So that's why I have gotten into the politics because that's. So how's it looking? How's it looking? Huh? How's it looking on your on your investigations? <laughs> I, I am. Hopeful, I'll say that. Vice President-elect Biden, yeah, President-elect Biden, um, position on cannabis is not necessarily where I want it to be, but I I appreciate the fact that he is open. VP-elect Kamala Harris has evolved. Um, Her past positions haven't been anything that, 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 that is not what I believe in now. But I, I'm able to look at her perspective, her her past, and I can talk all day about that because I can say if somebody would have asked me 10 years ago, my position is not the same. So I say that to say I had to learn to allow people to evolve. If you tell me that your position has changed and you're open mind, you've read, you've researched, we have to trust that. As far as the policy, the nomination, the nominees are concerned. Um, I was looking at Attorney General. That one was just announced. Mm, I don't, from what I've seen, he's, he's, I don't know. I'm hopeful, but I don't, I don't think that, you know, cannabis is really something that he has spoken out about that I'm aware of. I could be wrong on that. I am hopeful about the, uh, the Secretary of Health, and I can't remember his name right now, but I think he's from your state, Cali. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been very vocal. What I like about him is he's been very vocal in his position, and he's he's um, he's spoken recently on the Safe Banking Act, which I know you can relate to that, and other things. Um, so I'm hopeful about that. Um, and there's one other one. FDA is one that I'm interested in because I actually wrote a letter to my um, congressman, and in each of their letters, two of the three that responded they both quoted the FDA as if it was very scripted. And they said, pretty much they said, well, FDA doesn't consider cannabis as medicine right now. So da, 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 da. So I'm interested in who gets the FDA 
administrator, you know, who is the FDA um, nominee, because I want to see if what's going to be their position on cannabis, especially after we've had a big UN vote. So that's why I watched that. Girl, girl, you're so impressive with that because I literally like it's so hard for me to follow everything. One, because, you know, I always tell people, whatever you imagine me to be, it's probably true. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV. I want to be in my garden with my plants. I'm probably hula hooping (laughs) and messing around with cannabis leaves and making things in my kitchen Um, and not tuning into the news because it's so triggering to me. So, you know, when when I'm following things, you know, I have to just be more cognizant of like going to sources that are just going to give me the facts. Right. And knowing who I can trust for that information. You know, I love that you're just like, you know, this is what it is, you know, and this is where you can find the information. So, I mean, I can appreciate that so much. And one of the things that um, I love about being in this partnership with you with cannabis nurses of color is that, you know, we are looking very finely or Ivory's looking and then she's telling me. Um, <laughs> and then she oh, tells yeah. me. But, um, you know, she's she's looking, she's researching all this. And, you know, being in this partnership with her, you know, I, I feel so good knowing that when I rest my pillow at night, we're looking at these policies. We're looking at people to see how it's going to affect us specifically as a community mm-hmm. because, you know, it matters. It really matters. And with that, I want to segue into this more act because we, you know, it's, it's important and it's, so where are we at? Where are we at with the more act now? And tell us about the more act because I haven't talked about it as much this season. The more act, which I don't have in front of me, but I think the acronym stands for marijuana opportunity reinvestment and expungement act. So it is a very comprehensive cannabis overhaul overhaul bill. It has been passed. It was passed by the House, I believe, sometime last month in December. Um, And it has a lot of different, um, in short, it includes equity. So part of the expungement process, per se, is that if you have been a prior, you know, if you were prior convicted of something with cannabis or whatever, it has an avenue to allow you to basically get have your record expunged and it's a process. It has a trust fund in it that um, not only for people of color, but for women owned businesses that's in the cannabis space and just different things too. And I think they even use the words in that um, bill to level the playing field, playing field. Um, the more act I am at you know, as a whole, I am a proponent of the MORE Act. Um, right before it was passed, though, in the House, there was like a late provision that was added. That's a very controversial um, provision. As it's passed now, it, it, I don't think it'll pass, you know, it will go anywhere because majority of um, people in this industry, advocates and advocates that care about restorative justice and they care about equity, they care about the war on drugs, they, won't, they wouldn't agree with that provision that was added. That pretty much says that if you have a prior conviction, I don't know if it totally eliminate, eliminates it, but it makes it harder for you to um, be a business person in this space. So that just totally undercuts the purpose of the bill. So anyway, now that the Senate has flipped, and when I say Senate has flipped, that means now it is a 
51 majority on the Democratic side. And it's not, and let me just preface this by saying it's not about Republican or Democrat. When I talk about politics, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just talking about the facts. And the Democratic Party is the party that's pretty much leading the charge when it comes to cannabis. What's interesting is the person that makes the 51, the 51st vote that allows it to flip is the president of the Senate, which is Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who is also the author of the Moore Act in the, on the Senate side. I know that's a lot of information, but anywho, that's just where we are. So I'm very hopeful. You know, I, I know right now, I think when this administration get in the office, the first 100 days, they probably got a list longer than I don't know what. And we know that COVID is on the top of it along with other things. But I'm hopeful in that first year, this year, 2021, we see some type of movement. I don't know how fast it'll go, but even the newly, um, the new Senate minor- majority leader, Senator Chuck Schumer, he has voiced that if he becomes the majority leader, which he has, that he promised now, he didn't say the Moore Act, and that's the conversation for another day, but he did say the Marijuana Justice Act. I think it's, that's what it is, the Marijuana Justice, Social Justice Act, or something like that, which is which is basically a sister to the Moore Act, that he said he'll bring it to the floor. So I'm just interested. I can't wait to see, you know, where this goes. You know, this is <laughs> This is why you need a lean, because... This sister right here has just dropped like gems, bang. <laughs> She's like, what else you want to know? Okay. And this is, it's, it's, y'all, I'm actually recording this on video. So we do these on a video format and y'all get the audio. And just seeing her light up it yes. is so exciting. Okay. She just gets so passionate and so excited. <laughs> she over here glowing right now. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about. You need a lane, y'all. That's how I feel when I tell people, please touch a plant somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm passionate about, you know, she, she always tells me, what do you tell people? You pa- passionate about the politics? I tell people I like to touch the policy and you like to touch the plant. And that is so true. She likes Because you like to play with your plant. I like to touch the plants. So there you have it. Um, this is, ex- I'm just so excited. First of all, y'all don't know because I'm having a moment. So you get to be in on it. Like it's so, <laughs> I talk to her on the phone a lot. Um, you know, and, and message each other back and forth. But to see her light up and talk about this topic right now in like real time, is just priceless. Because y'all know with COVID, we ain't seen each other in, well, we had the awesome opportunity of having our husbands, uh, you know, arrange for us to meet up when I was in Louisiana, um, when I was in Mississippi, that was in March, right before the shutdown. I literally was there. And while I was there, the news was like, California is about to shut down. And I was like racing to get back to California before the shutdown because no one knew what this was going to be. We didn't cut your trip short, didn't it? Didn't you have to change your flight? Girl, I was like, when they said shut down, I was like, wait a minute, I cannot be shut down in this (laughs) Mississippi little hotel. And by creature comforts, I mean my cannabis plants. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but seriously, I needed, I was like, Ooh, I, we got to get home. So we did cut our trip short. Um, it took me being on the phone about seven hours, I think with um, the 
I forget what airline that was. And then finally I messaged them through Facebook. I think it was, and they did my whole changed my flights and everything through messenger. And I guess it was just like the world was going crazy. You know, yeah. nobody, we'd never experienced anything like this. So when they said shut down, I was like, are the planes going to be grounded? Like, are we not going <laughs> to, I love Mississippi y'all, but I needed to be home. <laughs> yes. That was and, scary. Uh, I was glad we had that opportunity. Yes, we did get a chance to see each other before all the chaos of me trying to race back home. Um, and so I say all that to say that this is what Cannabis Nurses of Color is about. Okay, whatever y'all are feeling on this podcast right now, this love, this energy, and this support, and us being so excited to watch each other glow in our lanes, like that's really what it's about. You know, we want to be able to support, um, you know, more nurses coming into this arena and really, you know, giving them the love, the support and the the education part that they need. Um, And also, you know, having those tough conversations that we know require a safe space to have, especially when you are trying to navigate this space in any, you know, in any area, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's just challenging. So, all right, before we wrap up, can you tell everyone your hopes for the cannabis industry, uh, you know, what is something that you really are looking forward to outside of what we talked about so far, but what's something that you really hope to see in cannabis in your lifetime and then um, where everyone can find you? Pardons. Like, so just the fact of knowing that it's people still in jail and I'm not saying, you know, I'm talking about low level offense, or even moderate, or no, I'm not. I'm talking about pardons because, I mean, even if you've done something and it was 20, 30 years ago, people are making millions. We have billions. We have research. When you learn better, you do better. That's why I say allow people to evolve. Free these people. Free them off of this plant. My God. And so that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for just a social justice movement that really touched into this plant. I can't remember what was the name of that documentary from earlier this year. It was about two or three months ago where people, it touched so many surface and so many generations. Free these people. Let these people live so that their next generation can dream. You know, when you look at somebody who is 15 and they died in prison and they visited it, I mean, you, it's just, generational curses. So that's something that I'm hoping I'm seeing. Besides the fact that, yeah, I want the plant free. I want it free because I want people freed. Mm. I want them freed as a result of this war on drugs. So that's something that I'm really, that gets me going. So when I'm talking about these policies and when I'm talking about, are we flipping the stand? My end goal is so that these people can be freed from this plant. That, that's, that's really the long hole of it. And also um, just freedom of choice and for them to have access to the plant. But I, but most importantly, I want people to be free from this plant. So that's that. So social media, um, I am on Instagram at LA Cata Nurse Navigator. And pretty much I am on Twitter and YouTube as Nurse Ivory. And on YouTube, which I haven't done a video lately, guys, but you guys have inspired me today. Um, that's really why I usually try to like talk about all this stuff. Because other than this opportunity right now with Sandra, just to let it out, I don't have nobody to vent to. So I go to YouTube and I just talk to myself. 
<laughs> and so anyway, I'm on YouTube at Nurse Ivory and I'm on Twitter um, at Nurse Ivory as well. And I'm on Clubhouse at Nurse Ivory. So hit me up. First of all, I don't know. Hold on. First of all, I don't know if it's good or bad that you don't have anybody to talk to about this because maybe we needed to like get all bottled up and come out like this because it came out so beautifully today. And, um, you know, I love you. I really do. Sis. I love you too. Sis. I'm so glad we got you. to do this today. And um, don't cry. I'm going to try not to. <laughs> I just get so fired up. I'm so fired up today. So I'm like, whoa. She's fired up and ready to go. I may do a video. Woo! Do it, girl. All right, everyone. Well, this is our episode for today. Thank you so much, Ivory, for being here. Again, we are so honored to do the work that we do together. Please make sure you follow us at Canna Nurses, C-N-O-C, for Cannabis Nurses of Color. And I will be back next week with another episode of The Kushners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Kushners. To download show notes or to join our upcoming challenge, Couch to Pain Free, go ahead to our website at www.thecushnurse.com. Make sure to like and subscribe so that you can continue to receive notifications for our